This is Stories of Salem, presented by Capital Community Media. I'm your host, Megan Jonas, reporting with my co-host, Ashley Jackson-Lawrence. Since time immemorial, Native people have been caring for and preserving the land in Oregon. Rose Highbear founded Elderberry Wisdom Farm in the hopes of teaching others traditional ecological knowledge and habitat restoration, providing opportunities for Native people to pursue careers in agriculture and restore the environments around them. Listen in as we hear from Rose about her hopes for the future and the importance of Indigenous perspectives in environmentalism. My name is Rose Hybear, and I am Degaton Dene, which is a, uh, one of the 12 bands of Athabascan people of Alaska. And I also have a Nupiat blood, and so I always want to uh, honor my uh, ancestry. That is perhaps more important than the role that I play. But I'm also founding director of Elderberry Wisdom Farm, the Native American nonprofit that's providing opportunities for Native Americans, Alaska Native, Hawaiians, Pacific Islanders, all indigenous people, really, all people of color. And you know, white is a color too, so we're not leaving anyone out. We have a very strong race reconciliation mission here, and so we're careful not to make anyone feel excluded. We're careful never to use terms that would make someone feel guilty. We don't feel that's a healthy response, that our response to our community is one of openness and friendliness. I am, um, you know, a very independent-minded person raised in a matrilineal society. And so Alaskan Athabascans are matrilineal. The women care for the children, they care for the homes, they care for the, care for the land in their village. They uh, are the leaders of the community and they're also spiritual leaders. Our men uh, guard and guide our villages. They go out and do hunting and fishing, bring home the food. And so it is the women that lead in the villages. It makes me very proud to have my mother, who is half Athabascan, and my grandmother, who is full-blooded Degaton Dene, or Alaskan Athabascan, and my great-grandmother, also Inuka. So I can go back several generations, but I also have spirit helpers from my Athabascan people, including a maiden by the name of White Raven. We formed um, Elderberry Wisdom Farm four years ago. It took me a while to unpack, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> my, some of my jokes are really terrible, because I said that... Um, we're now, um, we get to go to preschool now. We're four years old. <laughs> it was, must have been 10 years ago, and the spirit world told me to move out of the city in Portland. I ran a nonprofit in Portland for almost 30 years, Wisdom of the Elders. And so they told me to leave the city and find a place where I could teach people how to grow food so that our people didn't starve to death down the road. It took me about five years to, you know, go through executive transition. We had to hire a director. Once I found a home, I was able to form Elderberry Wisdom Farm. And it's a Native American nonprofit whose mission is to assist Native Americans and other people of color to pursue career pathways into, into earth-based professions, such as habitat restoration, native plant nursery work, farming, producing value-added food products, and all that sort of thing. We've grown from like 11 or 12,000 in the first year to 85,000 in the second year. And last year, I think we were at about 350,000. So my past experience allowed me to cultivate partnerships who trusted and believed and were excited to work with us, such as uh, Chemeketa Community College. We work with uh, soil and water conservation districts, such as Marion. We work with the South Saniam uh, Soil and Water Conservation District, or South Saniam Watershed Council, and uh, Institute for Applied Ecology. There are a number of partners. 
They all have a story to be told behind each partnership. And uh, somehow we've been very blessed to be asked to do certain work, such as Oregon Tilt, which is a wonderful nonprofit that helps to transition farms and ranches and other lands to organic. And they ask us to be the liaison with the tribes of Oregon, Washington, and Idaho to transition lands on the reservations to organic, and we would help them get started with experiential training. You know, that's just one partnership. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization asked us to become a part of their task force because it is a decade of biodiversity. We're losing um, many places in the earth, and so they have declared a decade of uh, ecological biodiversity. And we have been accepted on a task force that will help to do best practices to restore the land. Biodiversity of the soil is extremely important, and we have a plan that we've called the Indigenous Biodiversity Farm. We have a wonderful partner down in Sweet Home, Oregon, uh, Persephone Farm, and Eleanor is going to be leasing 20 acres to us so we can form the Indigenous Biodiversity Farm, and we'll be adding traditional first foods and other native plant species to the uh, land along with agriculture crops. So the land loves to have diverse plants. They don't like a monocrop. And I'm not gonna speak against monocrops or I'll probably get hate mail or something. We, we do believe in strengthening the soil before we try to get anything from the soil. We like to give instead of just taking all the time. So we think that our project is gonna be um, successful and we have until 2030 to work on that with the United Nations, which I've admired for a great, a long period of time and especially the Food and Agriculture Organization. I have a woman who joined our community who worked for the United Nations. She's the liaison to all of the North American tribes when it comes to the Food and Agriculture Organization and so she began sweating with us in our spiritual community. We do sweat lodge ceremonies, and she's joined us there and at Vision Quest ceremonies. And so I became very involved in the publications that the United Nations has been putting out the last few years. I would really like to draw attention to them because there's a lot of FAO books on um, restoring diversity, and they're, they're proclaiming that almost every single biodiverse region of the world is being handled by indigenous people, but none of them are in North America. They're all in other parts of the world. And so I think America and the North American continent should play a role in strengthening biodiversity if we're going to save our planet. I really do believe that the spirit world puts me in touch with people. I either contact them or they contact me and we just develop a collaborative partnership. Our first project was a traditional ecological knowledge workforce development project that we did in a partnership with Chemeketa Community College, and we received a five-year grant through them. Since we were so new, we knew we couldn't go to USDA and say, hi, you know, could you give us $500,000? Uh, they would have laughed. So we asked Chemeketa to do it, and we got a $500,000 grant. And for five years, we're doing uh, raising awareness uh, to Native people of traditional ecological knowledge of their ancestry in these different ecosystems. And so um, it's a workforce development project that at the same time raises their awareness of their workforce skills that need to be strengthened, like communication, leadership. And since we have also done multimedia over the years, I've been funded by the National Endowment for the Arts and the Oregon Cultural Trust since 2002. 
Uh, down here, we're trying to find out how we can include multimedia again. We just can't give up on it because we're discovering that our project at University of Oregon, the Native Youth uh, Documentary Film Project, is helping um, the students at Oregon, University of Oregon to strengthen their health and wellness resiliency at the same time that they're challenged extremely by the academic program at U of O. We've had a lot of students this last fall who enrolled at U of O that are native, and many of them dropped out because it was just too stiff. It is not a native climate. It is not a native environment. That's why I have this school here. I didn't go to Chemeketa to use a classroom at the school. I wanted to provide a safe environment for my native students to come in here and learn. But at U of O, we found four native youth, and all of them are from the Northwest here, and they're, they're doing a short documentary on the, their own personal transformation as a result of finding out something about their homeland, whether it be the traditional cultural values, the oral history, the traditional stories, or even the, the TEK, the, uh, the landscapes, the sacred landscapes that their ancestors have lived in. Another project that's become our dominant project is the Native Agriculture Biodiversity Accelerator. And we're providing opportunities for Native people to own their own businesses in a conservation, environmental, or agriculture, horticulture. A career pathway so it gives them an opportunity to have their own business to own their own business with a group of other people we think that a team of four people can make a, a business thrive and they can pass it down in the family and it can lead to multi-generational prosperity among native people who've been so plagued with low income when Oregon TILF contacted us and asked us to serve as a liaison educational partner to tribes, uh, we formed that project, which is Transition to Organic Project. We're a partner on the Dry Farming Institute's new project. So for two years, we get to learn and, and apply dry farming techniques on our farm. And we would like to use indigenous principles um, I don't know what they're going to be sharing with us. We think we might have some wisdom and knowledge from our own tribes we would like to apply. Frequently they look at us as, you know, pat us on the head and say, oh, we'll help you. But us Native people have a lot of wisdom and knowledge and we want to be given a chance to pr provide what it is that we have in terms of our skills, our experience, our gifts that we have to offer to the world. So we can sometimes kind of surprise our partners by saying, well, we would like to do it this way. And most of them understand and agree. You heard me talking about the fact that the biodiversity is declining all over the world. We're losing native plant species, some of which are threatened or endangered first foods of people all over the world, perhaps because of climate, perhaps because of degradation um, or other things, even wars. Um, and so uh, we think it's extremely important that we try to turn that back around and strengthen the size of an ecosystem that we can work in, even if it's a quarter of an acre. But we have 20 acres to work for our, you know, our indigenous biodiversity farm, and we have the periphery of that farm to work to do habitat restoration work and instead of farming. So we have a very big dream, but we have four new interns starting. We would like to know what their dreams are, and we would like to emphasize their needs, their wants, 
and what they would like to see happen. We would love to have them, instead of just do a summer internship, to also be involved in our fall internship so they'll stick around for a longer period of time. Three have already signed up for the fall internship, so that's assured. But after that period, we would like to hire them here. We think that it's their dreams, their visions, because we have people that graduated in ecological engineering, in um, indigenous learning, public health, uh, in habitat restoration. And we would like to know, since they've been delving into this world of Western science all this time, and we're not, we have not been, we've been doing other things, we would like to turn it over to them. We'd like to have a partnership with young people and work together to make it possible to do their dreams. I've been dreaming a long time. It's time for somebody else to pick up the dreams. I was at Chamao Indian School about a year ago, and we were just getting ready to produce a film featuring the youth. And um, before, the, before we started producing, I said to them, well, what's important to me is I know that Native youth are always taught to turn to their elders for the wisdom and guidance, but we're here to ask you what you think and how you feel. We'd really like to know what you would like. And after the circle of students, this was a student council members for the school. And they followed me out the door after I left and they said, no one has ever asked us that before. No one has ever prioritized us. And they followed us all the way to our car. They said, can we carry your things? You know, they didn't say, can I go home with you? <laughs> but, but you know, we'd really formed a close bond with them as a result of that. And I think that that's important for us to turn to younger people and ask them to, um, to help mentor them as they prepare to be leaders of our world in the future. People give every month to help keep us going. Uh, we're very vulnerable because we only have projects. We don't have enough financial stability to have any programs. But we do have very flourishing projects, but they're not permanent. So our biggest need, I think, is for infrastructure and for uh, solid foundation funding in the f into the future, which we don't know how to pursue that. And so I think there are a lot of needs. We have, an, uh, we have volunteer activities, and I'm getting ready to put some more ads up on Volunteer Match. We're on Volunteer Match in the Salem area. Some people come all the way from Portland to help us. It's amazing. We have students from OSU who beg to be able to come over, and I'm going, wow, what's so great about us? Uh, but, you know, th there must be something very promising about the work we do that makes them hungry to know more, and I am grateful for that. But we do have a lot of needs, and we can't do it alone. So I think it takes more and more work together to make it possible. I don't want to see this die, so we've got to come up with some solutions. I would like our, our farm to become well-known um, throughout the world, as well as in Marion County and Salem, as a biodiverse farm. The biodiversity of our soil is extremely important because the health of our body relies upon healthy food. You can't grow healthy food in a, in a, a monoculture soil. And so I think one of the things we would like to do is reach out to our colleagues who are also farmers and show them how easy it is to make their soil more uh, strong and healthy. I don't think we can ever convince someone who's farming just wheat or corn or seeds or um, filberts or whatever to change from what they're doing, but we might influence them slightly. There are a lot of healthy um, systems that Oregon State University is coming up with. I would like Oregon's Willamette Valley to be known worldwide for the health of its soil, the health of its food, and the health of its people and the wellness, the resilience of its people.
There was once hundreds of thousands of different species in the world. Great Spirit created it and placed it all over the world in different places. You've got things here in the Northwest that you can't find anywhere else. The blue elderberry is one example. In Missouri, they have the American elderberry. In Europe, especially Eastern Europe, they have the regular elderberry that uh, people are most accustomed to, the black elderberry. Um, and so all over the world, you have distinct species and we have to make sure that we can keep them alive. We're losing species. So I think we're talking about seeds here, perhaps first foods, and also, you know, dominant societies, agriculture products too. I think that the biodiversity is essential uh, or we're gonna just simply have a lackluster soil and you can't grow healthy food that way. But all of our people always had our traditional stories some of them are creation stories, and they told the origins of the food, of the trees, of, of the people, of the mountains. All of the origin stories are told in these creation stories. And so I think all of the traditional stories of our people need to be restored. We're really grateful for the earlier ethnographers, but the translation of them into English was not always accurate. And some of it distorted the reality of what was there, and uh, including the spirituality. And so we have a lot of traditional stories that need to be reinterpreted back to the original and to follow the wisdom of those stories, because within them it tells how to care for the earth. We also have our songs. So many of our songs are ceremony songs, harvesting songs, uh, honor songs. Uh, burial songs, you know, there are a lot of songs that are essential to our culture. And I think that the world doesn't realize how essential it is that we be able to sing those songs. When we go out in the spring to do our work on the soil, we sing a song. We sing to the trees, we sing to great spirit in the spirit world. You know, I think the stories, the songs, and all of these things, and our ceremonies, I think our ceremonies are essential. I just came back from a four-day ceremony and uh, I can't live without those ceremonies because they give us time to pray to Great Spirit when we're inside of altars. And um, I really believe in Christianity and all the religions of God. I'm myself a Baha'i, one of the world religions, but um, I believe that our indigenous religions all over the world, um, they all need to be honored and, and acknowledged and preserved. Uh, because in order for us to live, we have to have them within the religion, within the ceremonies, within the songs and the stories are our cultural values. These are the spiritual qualities we work with, with respect and honor to all people, with kindness, forgiveness, with humility, compassion, empathy, many things that our people are famous for, but the world is not aware. And so I just have to say that I think it's really fabulous that we can use multimedia as a tool to share with the world so they can raise their awareness and understanding of us. And from that comes appreciation and respect. That is our race reconciliation model that we've had for several decades. And it's very peaceful. I don't go out and boycott or get angry and yell anymore. I just try to be a pleasant person and I try to be kind. Um, and I try to show that this is the way our ancestors lived and you may not be aware of it, but if you can find out about our richness, you, you will love it and, and acknowledge yourself as a relative 
to our people and to all people, no matter what color, ethnicity. We also have a very strong attitude about our two-spirited people because everyone is born with a male and female spirit. We call our people two-spirited. These are the most gifted people among our people, the most spiritual. They're the most deep and rich and gifted. And so we just have to realize there's a new view in today's world of these people. And Native people can share more if anyone's interested. The TEK has been really, um, for the last decade, it's grown stronger and stronger. Some people call it TEK, traditional ecological knowledge. Some people call it traditional knowledges, TKs. But that's what most Native people call it. And um, we're living in a situation where we really believe that our ancestors had a very pristine environment. And for 12 to 15, maybe 18,000 years here in Oregon, we have cared for the soil. We've cared for the land, for the trees, the plants, the animals, and everything was in a state of balance. Uh, we need to restore that, and we need to realize that people need to turn to Native people. There's a prophecy out there that says the day will come when the people of the world will turn to Native people to learn how to care for the earth and for one another. To learn more about Elderberry Wisdom Farm, visit elderberrywisdom.org. To volunteer with Elderberry Wisdom Farm, visit volunteermatch.com. You can watch Stories of Salem on Capital Community Media's television channels, channels 21, 22, 23, and 322, or on our YouTube. You can listen to this broadcast on KMWV 98.3 FM or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. To read this story and see every episode of Stories of Salem, visit storiesofsalem.substack.com. I'm Megan Jonas from CC Media, and this is Stories of Salem. Thanks for listening.